0: Hey everyone, what is up? It is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival. Welcome to the podcast episode number 241. Now listen, I'm a firm believer that when it comes to home defense, you really need to look at your home as if it was a battlefield. Because when one, two, three, or even more violent thugs enter your home with the intent on harming you and your family, That's exactly what it is. It's a battlefield. And the front line for this attack is most often gonna be your front door, which is why this week we're gonna take an in-depth look at the tactics that you can use today to harden and defend this critical choke point to protect yourself and those you love. And we're doing it with a new addition to our instructor network that I'm really excited to introduce you to. As usual, don't worry about taking notes because we've done all the heavy lifting for you with this week's free cheat sheet covering all the main points. All you need to do is head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com 241 and download it all absolutely free. And now let's talk
1: tactics. Firearms Training, Urban Survival, Close Quarters Combat. This this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival.
0: Okay, I have a few questions for you, and I need to be brutally honest because it's for your own good. How often do you approach the door of your home and think of it in terms of security? Do you ever leave your door unlocked? If someone kicked down your front door right now, would you be able to get to a weapon in time to stop them? And do you even realize just how real the threat of a violent door-breaching ambush actually is? Now, if you're sheepishly admitting to yourself that, yes, a lot of the time you are vulnerable to someone knocking down your door and invading your home, well, don't worry, you're not alone. There are countless other people listening to this right now who aren't prepared for an ambush at their front door. And that's understandable. I mean, our homes are our castles, and we're used to feeling safe in them, right? We don't want to think about a violent ambush attack. And for the most part, we think that we're safe. But there's a reason that over and over again, we've described the home invasion as the worst case scenario of self-defense. That's because these invaders are the most dangerous of predators operating in our society. They want you to be home when they attack. And brutalizing you and your family may be part of the enjoyment that they get out of their crimes. You cannot afford not to know how to counter a violent home invasion ambush with your gun. And that's why we're here today. But this is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with me for this broadcast is my friend and a new addition to our network, Jacob Paulson. Jacob, welcome to the program, man. Yeah,
2: thanks for having me, Jeff.
0: We've been talking about this for probably like a couple of years now. I'm glad we're finally getting a chance to do it. Um, listen, everybody, I'm really excited about getting Jacob in our network here. If you're not familiar with his work, Jacob is the president of ConcealedCarry.com, which is a primary fixture in the online tactical firearms training arena, as well as a provider for both in-person and online firearm training for American gun owners. Now, the company is currently teaching in-person classes in 25-plus states, with a team of more than 55 instructors. And Jacob himself is an NRA certified instructor and a range safety officer. He's a USCCA certified instructor and training counselor, an affiliate instructor for next level training. He is a graduate and certified instructor for the law of self-defense and a Glock and SIG certified armor as well. And frankly, he has a bunch of really cool products for tactical firearms training. Now you can learn more about Jacob and his company and his products over at his website at www.concealedcarry.com. Okay, Jacob, let's go ahead and get started here. It seems to me that the best way to counter a door ambush is to not have one in the first place. I know we always talk about like um, you know, fortifying your home and making sure that you're prepared for a home to home invasion before one is actually happening, but um, when it comes to fortifying the home ahead of time, um, what are some of the, the best ways that are simple ways that people can go about doing it without putting some, you know, giant medieval Game of Thrones type moat around their house in and in a, you know, a solid steel door on there?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's, it is funny. We talk about this all the time, and there's plenty of videos out there online, on YouTube, whatever, about, you know, go spend 10 bucks at the hardware store and, you know, do this to your door and you're good to go. Uh, but it, it's an over, overly simplified solution that doesn't take into effect just the way we act and the way we, we treat you know, situations where people come to the door. It's one thing to just be sitting in my living room and have someone knock it down. It's another thing entirely to open my door to somebody who I don't want to have come in. So uh, we really look at it, you know, it's a little bit more complex, but perhaps I could give you three kind of really core thoughts. Uh, The first one is, yes, we do need to reinforce the door. We do want to make the door hard to kick in. And you know it's a real easy thing. If you're listening to this right now, if you're like any of our students, if you're like any of my customers at all, you're probably thinking, uh, I'm good to go. My door is hard to kick in. But I bet you if I came to your house and I walked up to it and I looked at it, I could point out a few things you could do better. It's shocking to me how many entry point doors in this country I find that don't even have a deadbolt, uh, let alone a reinforced door jam or a legitimately solid door one panel door, uh, so th- you know those are just really simple, easy things you can do. A, re- a good reinforcement kit from Amazon or something like that's going to run like thirty dollars. And uh, if you if you have that in place and a, an actual legit sol- solid door with good frames and a deadbolt lock, you you can kind of cross that off off your your list. You've kind of reinforced the door. Uh, you've kind of done the eighty twenty in door reinforcement. But it's it's the problem is like I said, if that's all you do, you really have not tackled it i I think there's two other really i'll call them major keys the second one is lighting and lighting has the dual purpose the first purpose of of lighting is that no criminal wants to be seen so a lot of criminal acts do take place at nighttime when it's dark and they don't think they're going to be seen but what you may not realize is that the majority of home invasions more than 80 percent of them take place in the day between 10 and 3 p.m when they think you are not home that's the time when you have good lighting but at night you know, for those ones that are really scary because you are home, the absolute worst case scenario when a door invasion could happen you've got to have good lighting so a it 's a deterrent in and of itself, the fact that you have good lighting, and two, and this is going to lead us to our third point, it allows you to see who 's there and this is a huge critical thing, and probably the number one most important thing if you get nothing else out of this conversation uh, you know today jeff this this would be like my number one thing. you have to know who 's at the door before you open it, and that sounds so. Overly simplified, but it's both a mental and a tactical thing, and so there's a lot of ways to achieve that. I mean, you can have a peephole, and again, I'm shocked by the number of entry point doors in this country that don't have a peephole. You can have those new ring bell, uh, you know, doorbell ring, you know, type cameras or something like that, like a really kind of high tech uh, solution. Um, what I see a lot of people will say is, well, I have a, I have a glass, uh, a really nice, um, you know, window kind of thing in my door or next to my door on the side of the door frame, and I'll just look through that you know, while that certainly does hopefully allow you to see who's there, it also allows them to see you. And so it's it's not as secure of a situation. But yeah, those would be my three big ones, Jeff, like people, yes, reinforce the door, like we've all been told, if you haven't done it, do it. But have good lighting and have some reliable, good method to see who's at the door before you open. it.
0: Yeah, those are all really good points. And I remember, you know, I've actually tried to kick down a door one time. And I'm not talking about like in in um, like some third world nation, like in, in combat or anything like I had, there was a house that was on, uh, it was actually my, wasn't my house. I was staying in a house that had a, a house fire in it. In one of the rooms, it was like a side apartment. Sure. And uh, boy, it sure looks really easy in the movies, you know, <laughs> just smashing your foot through the thing and the whole door just, just blocks open. I think I was in traction for like two weeks after that with my foot with that, <laughs> first really trying to hit that. Um, it ultimately, it took like a, a a log that I had that I was able to get through there. But so my my point to that is is that it, it really um, you don't need a, like a solid steel door. But uh-huh. I have had homes in the past homes like houses that have had a hollow front door that if I'd gone to do that same kind of kicking in the door, it would have, my foot would have gone through the actual door. So, yeah. you know, it's really just a simple assessment that people you know have to make, but it, there's, it's very simple to kind of fortify things, but you're right. A lot of it really comes down to like your, your own practices, not just like the, the physical stuff's kind of easy to do. It's more of like, how do you get you and your family to follow those practices? Like you said, so really important there. Jacob, I know that in your work, you, you know, you talk about how vulnerable every homeowner is, like right there at the door of their home when it comes to home invasion. And we have to assume that a home invader is going to be armed, like especially if they, if they're there because their goal is that you for you to be there also, they're going to be armed because their job is to get in there and take control very quickly and do that through brute force and, and with violence. Which means that our best defense is to also be armed and prepared for them to try and get through that door. So. How do I go about staging and accessing weapons near near the door so I can get my hands on them as quickly as possible and when I, when I truly need them
2: yeah you know the the challenge here, and I, I think where the gravity has to set in if you 're listening to this, is you have to understand that inherently the word ambush you know, has some really horrible, scary implications. Now, ambushes are by definition your worst case scenario because you you 're already coming from a point of disadvantage right the the criminal, the attacker. Is already in a position of great advantage because they've caught you off guard, because they, you know, you weren't ready for this. You were watching the game, you were sitting on the computer, you were doing whatever it is you were doing, and now you've come to the door because yeah, the doorbell rang or whatever it is, and boom, out of nowhere, it's an ambush, and and you, it's it's a horrifying, horrifying scenario, but it does happen. I'm thinking about a news story last year, uh, 2018. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, it was 2018. This this mother, mother of four, single mother. She goes to the door, she opens it. Person forces their way in. Guns are down. She's dead. They walk off. I mean, it was it was an ambush with the intent to do nothing more than to kill this woman, um, and and they're still at large. Here's one just from last month. We had a in, this is in Tennessee. Man goes to the door. There's someone just brutally knocking on the door. He's like, that's kind of weird. So on his way to the door, he picks up his shotgun. And this kind of starts to get to what you're talking about, Jeff. It's like, okay, well. You know, if if I'm going to go to the door, what do I do so that if I am ambushed, whether they force their way through before you know with me opening the door or without me opening the door, how am I going to be prepared? Here, here's the real crazy ironic thing: as much as we all hear the news stories, as much as we all see them on on the web and whatever, we all have a pretty good sense that the place where we're most likely to need a firearm self defense is in our home, but yet it's the place I find concealed carriers are least likely to actually be armed. And this is the problem because the number one best place to stage that gun in your home is on you, right? I mean, that would seem like super intuitive and obvious. And Jeff, I know you understand that, but it's amazing to me, based on our survey data, how many people with a concealed carry permit who regularly strap that gun on when they leave the house, they come home and they take it off. And I don't understand that. But if if we accept that the home is the place where we're most you know, vulnerable to attack, and we accept that we got a gun for self-defense, then you should have it on you. It should be the most important place to be armed. So the correct answer is always on you. Um, Now That said, that might seem overly simplified and someone say, well, that works, you know, but what if there's something wrong with that gun? Or what if it's the middle of the night and I'm not dressed and the gun is in the safe and someone's knocking at the door, whatever other myriad of, of number of circumstances that you might find yourself in when you don't have a gun. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Then we need to talk about staging a gun. So before we get too much deeper in this, let me clarify the the terminology because staging the firearm is an important term. I don't want to... Put anyone in a bad situation, whether legally or tactically. Here, so when we say secure the firearm, we're par- we're talking about putting it into a lock system, a system that we would deem secure that prevents the gun from unauthorized use and from being removed from from the environment. So generally, our gun safe, whether that's a small handgun vault or or up from there, a staging system could be anything. A staging system could be it's just sitting in a kitchen drawer. I mean, that's that. I mean, maybe it's not ideal, but that is a staging system. So a staging system is is generally thought of as almost a a, a temporary or, or, or you know, less than secure method of staging the firearm for access in an emergency, and depending on your home, sit, you know, environment, if you have kids or in all the other various you know contributing factors that you might consider, you might use some of those staging systems as a permanent storage of a firearm or you you might not. In some of the programs we've done and some of the training we've done, we've used a lot of uh, concealment furniture. So you guys have seen this stuff online. Um, You know, there's a a couple of big name brands out there. One particular that I'm a big big, uh, fan of and we can talk about them if you want. But, you know, you can buy the shelves that drop down or you can get coat racks. And there's a lot of opportunities like that that you can put right near your front door, depending on your entryway and what that looks like in your home. You can certainly get like a a nice concealment shelf or a coat rack uh, that, you know, with an RFID card, or you know the right type of magnet, poof! It can pop open. You get a gun, but I, I do think that if that is your only play, if that if, if your play is hey, if I get ambushed at the door, I got the gun that's right there in that in that thing, in that safe, in that coat rack, in that concealment solution. Um, you're you're coming at this from a, a place of na- naivety. I, I I think I think that you're being naive is is what I'm trying to say. I think
1: yeah.
2: I think you don't understand what the nature of an ambush and what that really looks like. You need to have the gun on you
0: yeah, it's a very dynamic, violent, chaotic situation where you're not going to have your wits about you, probably even thinking about where your your gun might be and and you're just placing another obstacle in there. That's one of the reasons why you know we even tell people like look, even if you don't have a concealed carry permit, you know you're in your home, you can carry that weapon with you, which is why we tell people like even if you don't have your permit, you should still be doing concealed carry training. You should still carry concealed. You should still follow all the practices that somebody does that does have a permit that carries it out in public, because at home that's where you should be carrying. So it's a little bit different than what like you know, like I find the same thing you do with concealed carry people that have a permit. They're um they they come home and it's like oh, it's uncomfortable, so we take it off and we put it somewhere else. And and uh, really, it's a lifestyle choice. And so for the other. You know, for the non permit owners, then you come home and maybe you, you put it on when you get home. But that's a, that's another part of just the self-protection lifestyle that, you know, you just you just choose to um like if that's where you're at, if that's I mean, I'm I'm serious about this. I'm serious about protecting my family. So I, I carry my weapon from the time I get up until the time I go to bed. So um so really good, really good points there. Listen, everybody, uh, we've been talking with Jacob Paulson of concealedcarry.com about defending against a violent home invasion at the main entry point of your home, your front door. And we have a lot more coming up, including the right and wrong ways to answer the door for any visitor, um, real-world counterattack tactics when you're defending at the door in a violent ambush, and a solid practice drill to put all these hotshot tips into your training program right away. All that and more coming right up, but first, check out this special message.
1: In any disaster, crisis or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos. Or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home. The supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com. And discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them and how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival, don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show.
0: Okay, we're back with Jacob Paulson of concealedcarry.com, talking about how to defend against the violent home invasion at your door. We've got a lot more coming up, so let's go ahead and jump right back in now. Uh, Jacob, how do I answer the door more safely? Now, of course, we, you know, we've, we've talked in the past about how important it is to know that somebody is at the door. But, you know, I mean, look, if I see um, a Girl Scout out there, if I see a police officer, if I see a lineman, you know, typically there's an association there that, you know, typically people just kind of brush over it. But what is a better procedure? Like, I, I know you have a program that that talks specifically about home invasions and defending at the door. At, and uh, for those people that want to go check it out, it's over at um, defenseatthedoor.com. But I want to find out from you, like what, what is a good practice for somebody? They, there's somebody at their front door. How do I answer it? What's the best way to do that safely and securely?
2: Yeah, and there's a myriad of situations where this just becomes important. You know, whether it's a, a, an expected stranger, I knew that the plumber was coming over. To, you know, in, in this time window, or it's an unexpected stranger, random person out there. Uh, we still have to be cautious. Uh, if, in fact, uh, two weeks ago, or two weeks ago, yeah, maybe maybe three weeks ago now, there was a situation where someone was expecting the pizza delivery driver at night. Uh, they, you know, they'd ordered pizza. There really was pizza on the way, and so when the doorbell rang and they took a quick, quick look and saw who it was, they assumed that was the pizza driver. They opened the door. The person was not there with pizza. Had nothing to do with pizza driver and came in shooting. So the, these things do happen. So let's let's talk through some of these core uh, core components. First one is: do not open the door more than is necessary. So yeah, I've already checked through the peephole or the fancy surveillance camera or whatever tool I'm using. I have a sense roughly that i know or i don't know who it is at the door but i've chosen to go ahead and engage with this person i don't need to open it any bigger more than is necessary because what happens is i'm creating a point of uh, of leverage if i open my door jeff and you're if you're at my doorstep and you're you're determined to get in i open it about two inches you're going to have a harder time forcing your way in than if i open it six inches because at six inches you can just shove some weight mm. into that thing and force yourself into the crack that i've i've opened and you're going to have a lot more you know ability to put your weight behind it and get it open if i open it two three inches. Best thing you can do is what? Reach your fingers in there and hope I don't shove the door down on your, on your hand. Uh, it's not gonna go as well for you. So don't open the door more than is necessary. Number two, anchor your foot to the ground behind the door. You'd be surprised how much leverage you can have by doing nothing more than using your body weight, even if you're a relatively small person, I'm relatively small, I'm about 185 pounds. I'm not a big dude, but even me, if I put my my foot down on that, you know, on the ground, you know, two, three, four inches behind where the door is before I open it, and then when I do open it, I let it come back and hit my foot, and I've turned my foot at it at a, you know, sideways, right, at a kind of an awkward angle, so that I'm getting as much surface area of my shoe against that door as possible. I'm going to do a pretty damn good job of anchoring that door so it can't come open much further. Even if I just come open that two, three inches and then you really shove your weight into that door, you're going to have a hard time getting it open because that's the way doors are designed. Doors are designed, think about the way a bolt works, right? The deadbolt comes into the door frame, and you have an entire door that's hinged on one secure point. But because the door is a solid piece of wood or, or steel or whatever it might be, in theory, as long as it's anchored in one place, the whole thing shouldn't budge. And so what I'm essentially doing is changing that anchor from where the, the bolt goes into the frame down mm. to the ground against my foot. And, and while my foot might be less, you know, less able to hold it in place than, than the door frame, it's gonna do a pretty solid job when you anchor that much weight down uh, against the ground. So I think you'd be surprised how effective that can be. And it just takes a little bit of practice to just turn that foot at an angle, stomp it down two, three, four inches behind the door. And when you open it, let it come back and hit your, your foot. And just keep your weight on that foot, and you're gonna be pretty effective. And, and then a third thought would just be this. And this is one of those that we see all the time. If I'm doing this drill, if I, if I got a student, you know, I got a dozen students and I explain these things and then I, I let them loose, they're gonna do a pretty good job of not opening the door too far. They're gonna do a pretty good job of anchoring their foot. But the thing that they just seem to not do unless I tell them like five times in a row to do it is to not expose their body more than is necessary beyond the door. So it's no different than using cover. Most of us are familiar with the idea of the use of cover and how we do that in a a shooting scenario. Think of the door as your cover, right? I can really kind of keep the majority of my body Back behind the door and just stick out my head as much as is necessary uh, to be able to see and converse with the person beyond the door. Hey, are you fr- You know, who are you? Oh, I'm so and so from the the cable company. You know, where's your truck? It's over there. Do you have a badge? Yeah, I do. It's right here. Okay, what's your name? Okay, great. You know, now, now I've I've at least figured out who this person is, uh, and and I can make a decision at that point if I'm going to let them in. But yeah, do not open the door more than is necessary. Anchor your foot to the ground and use that door as cover and concealment
0: good stuff good stuff uh, listen um jacob no matter no matter how <laughs> no matter how many of these hot tips that we that we put into place here there's always the possibility that a violent home invader can get his way past the door or maybe maybe it's not me answering the door with all of my security measures maybe it's my child or whatever and all of a sudden i'm in there in the living room somebody busts through that door what are some things i mean let's go ahead and talk about fighting back right now like what are just a, a few really good tips that you can give us for you know how to actually defend tactically there at the door. What are some things that we need to keep in mind?
2: Yeah, it's funny because when when we were preparing to create the program, you mentioned we have this door ambush uh, you know, video DVD program. When we were preparing for that, and I was doing all the research. I was looking at all the news stories. There was one in particular that kind of caught my my attention. And and basically, the way the story goes down is the a man and woman are home. I assume that they're married, though it doesn't explicitly say that in the news story. Uh, the man goes to the door. Uh, he opens the door to the person who, who knocked at the door, and that person immediately comes in, shotgun in hand. You know, threat, you've been ambushed at the door. So the man engages in, in this attack. He kind of grabs that shotgun, and he's kind of fighting over the shotgun. He's like, man, if I let go of the shotgun, I'm going to get shot with it. Um, but, I, you know, not much else I could do. And while he's engaged in the battle, the woman, the, the I assume his wife, uh, retrieved a firearm of her own or had it with her, I don't know. And she fired on and killed the intruder and it, it, all, it all came out okay for the good guys. Um, we actually reenact this scenario. and We put a couple different spins on it. We have three different you know, variations of that scenario that we do. And when we did that, when we did the reenactment, we filmed it for the DVD, et cetera. There were, there were two things that really, I guess, set on me that I, I maybe never would have understand or at least not understand as deeply as I did when I actually reenacted these scenarios. Here's the first one. If your plan is I'm going to open the door and when I see the threat I'm going to take a couple steps back I'm going to draw my gun I'm going to present it on target and I'm going to pop this person you you are working from a place of of great naiveness if that's a word you're you're, you're being naive it's going to be ugly that might work out for you but it's not as, it's not going to be nearly as easy as you think even when we prep a professional firearm trainer like myself or, or my my business partner who is the other the co-instructor in that course even when we were prepped even when we knew exactly what was going to happen i know that i'm on camera i know i'm going to open this door and i know that uh, our friend mitch is going to come through that door and he's going to have a shotgun and he's going to try and shoot me with it I, I have all this in my head i go to the door ready to react and my plan is draw my gun present it and shoot it as fast as i can even when i know i'm going to do that i can't do it fast enough mm-hmm. so the key you need to understand is that you've been ambushed and fatal funnels suck depending on where your front entry is. You know, you might be in a situation where you're kind of in a little narrow a narrow hallway right there where where the door is where you come in or you might, it might be more open. But you've been ambushed and you're in a really bad situation. You really got a couple of choices. The first one is to what I would call win the fight you're in, right? Win the physical fight, which is what happened in that news story go for this person and get into the wrestle. If they got a gun out, then you got to go gain control over that firearm, whatever is necessary. You must win the fight over that gun that they have. Uh, You know, so win win the fight you're in. And, And by that, I don't mean win the fight by being a faster draw and getting a shot on target. I think that that's a little bit naive. By winning the fight you're in, I mean, you don't have time like That's the second fight. Getting your gun out and putting it on target is the fight you get to engage in after you win the first fight. And you must win this first fight because you don't have time to do anything else. And that first fight is dealing with the threat that's immediately in front of you. So that might mean engaging in a physical fight. Now, if you're listening to this and you're saying, hey, I have a bad back, I got a bad knees, I'm old, I'm handicapped, you know, I'm not in a situation where I'm going to be able to confront you know, a very large and, and violent uh, attacker and win that physical fight, that's not an option I can engage in. I get it. Here's the second option. And that is to, yes, draw, yes, present a target, yes, start shooting, but understand there's going to be two, what I'll call shooting skills, uh, core shooting skills that you fundamentally must be really good at. The first one is moving to cover while shooting. You, you, you're going to have to figure that out. And probably it means a rearward mo- movement, right? Rearward to, to the right, rearward to the left, but getting out of this funnel and into a position to cover as quickly as possible while shooting. And that's a that's a skill that we find a lot of students don't have because it's something that they generally can't practice at the range. A stationary range where you have a stationary target and you're not allowed to so much as move three inches to the right, let alone backpedal and move to a place of cover. So that's gonna require a certain amount of formal training and and practice at a place where you can do that. And certainly that's something you can do dry in your own home with an unloaded cleared or or training weapon. So that that's gonna be a skill that you have to have mastered. And the second skill you better be prepared to employ is close quarter combat. You better have a real clear idea of how you're gonna draw that gun. One handed, present it on target and get shots off while the other hand is still holding a doorknob, while it is, you know, defending a blow that's coming down on you, while it's, you know, grab going for that other person's gun and trying to deflect it away from you, whatever that might be. So, so you win the fight you're in and then remember that the two skills you better be good at are moving to cover while shooting and close quarter combat.
0: Hmm. Yeah, as much as fun as all of that sounds, (laughs) it just really reinforces how important it is to have all the other stuff. Before that moment of like, you know, that ambush actually in place there and having your plan in place there and, and, uh, and it doesn't have to be I mean, it's I I love what you're having to say, because it really, I think it's a wake up call for a lot of uh, firearms owners out there who just think that the gun is their magic talisman. And we get this all the time when we talk about self defense techniques. Um, and people are like, you know, that's why I have a 45. That's why I have my Glock. And so, you know, we really just trying to get across to people that, you know, bad guys aren't that stupid. Like they, they're cut, they come with a plan. They know they don't want to fight. They don't want you to fight back, which is why they are going to ambush you. So you don't have time to get to your weapon. They don't want to get shot. So yeah. you, it, but it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to go down to the local McDojo with the eight-year-olds every Saturday morning and, you know, get your black belt. It really only takes a few, um, you know, a few simple skills for anybody to really help, you know, at least give yourself some space to be able to get to your weapon. So I, I love what you got to say. So so listen, Jacob, um, with, with all of these tactical tips for a home invasion, knowing them is one thing, obviously, and putting them into practice and putting them into a, some sort of a training program, is a whole other thing. And it really does. I mean, I like what you have to say about your courses also. We find the same thing that when people might know what the tactics are, they might have even practiced them like some some of those tactics at the range. But when you pressure test them in an actual scenario-based environment safely, it just seems to fall apart. And so what is... Um, if, if you can leave us here with a maybe a good step-by-step drill that somebody can do that isn't going to require the Preferably, doesn't require the range. Something they can do in their own home, which is the battleground we're talking about. Like what's a good step, step-by-step step drill that someone can use to prepare for um, this violent home invasion at the door?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a couple of thoughts there. I'm gonna give you a very tangible you know, drill that you can run, but I'll add that the, the 80-20 on this, there's always, you, know, you can have 80% effectiveness by doing 20% of the things. The 80-20 on this one is make sure every occupant of the home knows not to open that door unless they know who's on the other side of it and they're prepared to open the door correctly. And that's super not sexy and not cool for us gun tactical Joes, but that is the 80-20 on this, is, is know who's, you know, have a very distinct policy in place about how we're going to verify who's on the other side of the door, make sure everyone follows that. But, but that said, here, here's a good kind of drill. And, and I like this because... You know, not only do we have a hard time practicing some of these shooting skills on on a live range, just based on range rules, but even if we could, the problem is it may not always translate to your home environment where your home is different and unique. Maybe you have a split level house, and when you open the door, you know, there's only two places to go you know, upstairs or downstairs or or whatever it might be, you might have a very unique home. And so everyone's home is is unique to them. And so you got to have a plan that's a little bit a little bit specific. So how do you pressure test this? What does that drill look like? First know that you know dry fire practice, which is something I know Jeff, you're an advocate of, is a big deal. I mean it doesn't replace live fire, but all of the things we're talking about when we talk about home defense, which is a much broader category than just you know dealing with door ambushes, all of it can and should be trained in the home in a dry environment. So whether you're taking your live gun and you're clearing it out and you're making sure that it's it's clear, maybe you're dummy rounds or a laser insert or barrel block or whatever product or tool maybe you have an actual training pistol like a cert pistol laser light whatever those might be that that's the environment that we need to st- that that's where we're staging these drills so we're we're setting ourselves up where we're clear of all live ammo and in my opinion preferably using a training gun that's comparable to your real gun and that's how we're going to run these scenarios so what is the, what does the drill look like we have one that we basically just call it open door and draw to And open door and draw to what that looks like is exactly what it sounds like so go to the door open the door, and then assume you have an immediate threat and draw and fire two on on threat. Now, you can do this on your own. What I do is I have kind of these PVC... Uh, pipe based uh, target stands that i i built probably like they're like a dollar 50 each i'm guessing from home depot parts and uh, i put a little cardboard or paper target at the top of this kind of little pvc deal and i can just set that right outside the door and that can be my target and i can open the door and just simulate threat right oh threat you know open door draw and present and and fire too or if you want to get really crazy you can have uh, a friend or a partner somebody who who can be your bg your bad guy or bad gal and uh, not the bg's the band by the way That's common confusion i mean bad guys and bad gals so so you can have a bg who works with you and then then you get real serious pressure because that bg is not stationary they're not just going to stand there and be like okay shoot me right which is what my target stand would do the bg is going to actually breach the the entrance and they're going to come toward me and try to attack and so i have to have a way to react to that so so your objective is open that door draw and fire too. Open the door, draw fire too. Now it sounds really simple, but you have no idea how much this is going to screw with you. I promise you, your first ten iterations of this, every one of them will be different because the first time you try it, you're like, "Oh, that sucked," and I got to change this because this hand. I'm right-handed, but the way my door opens, uh, I use my right hand to grab that doorknob and I pull the door this way, and so my left hand is free to go for the gun. But if I want to let like, go of the door and then transition from my right hand to draw, it's going to cost me two seconds. You know, there's going to be things like that. That's just one example. But there's going to be a myriad of little things you're going to learn when you go through this drill. And for the first 10 iterations, you're going to change stuff because you're like, oh, no, nope, that, that wasn't really ideal. And that is just massive. That's the kind of learning you just can't get. Not watching my DVDs, not not listening to this podcast, uh, not taking a class from, from awesome dude on range. Uh, me or else or or otherwise, that's the only thing you can only get in your home when you do it with your front door. So open door and draw two. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Jacob, awesome. This is great tips, man. I mean, I love this. Um love your DVD. It's. Uh, I'm glad, you know, so this is really interesting because it's a different take on home invasions. It's not a, this is really about like that door ambush. And I think it's the only program that I've ever seen out there that really just focuses in on that that main weak point, which is your front door. So so listen, everybody, um, all the products and the training that they have over at uh, Jacob's website, definitely go check it out. The uh, website is, again, www.concealedcarry.com. If you want to check out this program that we're talking about here, specific to home invasions, just go on over to www.defenseatthedoor.com and go check out everything that's going to be on that DVD. All right? And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. (laughs) I'm <laughs> sorry.